would tonight in the book of Revelation, the apocalypse, the review, the view, the uh, revelation of Jesus Christ. And we want to spend tonight, some time tonight, on the subject of I am Omega. I am Omega. We looked last week on the subject of I am Alpha, and we saw that he is supreme in all ways. He is the Alpha Savior. He is the Alpha King. He is the Alpha Prophet. He is the Alpha Priest. He is the Supreme in every aspect, every characteristic and every attribute. He is Supreme. And in his life, when he was here on this earth, he was the Alpha Man. No one spoke like this man. That's what the, the reports were. And he spoke with authority and not as one of the scribes. And the, I find no fault in him. He's the only one that could be written that way. He's the alpha man. He's the alpha sacrifice. The blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin. But this sacrifice, by his sacrifice of himself, he secured for all his people for all time everlasting and eternal redemption. And this priest was able to sit down because he finished his work. He's the Alpha. He sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. He's the Alpha intercessor. Now we pray for one another, but I'm glad there's a king on high praying for me. He's making intercession for me. We may intercede for one another. Well, there might be an issue, a problem, and we are the one that goes between. And you know, if that works out, we just thank God Almighty. But he is the intercessor between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He's the alpha intercessor. And in every way that we could imagine, and we'll find more and more as we study God's word, he is the alpha. He is the alpha. And all will bow to him. Now, God's people, when he regenerates our heart, are willing to say unto him, as Saul of Tarsus did, Lord. And add these words, as Saul did, what will you have me to do? All his people. Now, all others, those are the ones who pierced him. They'll bow and say, thank you. And all others will bow in time. They'll bow. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess the Lord Jesus. And what's that saying? The Alpha. They'll bow before the Alpha and confess the Lord Jesus to the glory of God the Father. That's going to happen. Now thank God he moves on his people in a particular special way that in this lifetime we bow before him in gratitude for his grace. We're led to bow. Thank God. All right, now we want to look tonight at the, the Omega, but let's start here in verse 1. I just love this verse 1 and verse 2 and verse 3 and verse 4 and verse 5. They just, they just they build on each other, don't they? And they just give us such a clear statement. There, there's enough material in the first eight verses of this chapter for us to ruminate the rest of our lives to chew on it. 
I've been doing some chewing on the Alpha. This last week's been delightful. Just ruminate. He's Alpha in all aspects. The revelation of Jesus Christ. The apocalypse. The light to lighten the Gentiles. Which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And I don't think we said this when we went through that verse, but it is a blessing to find yourself in that word servant. That's a blessing. He, he gave us a note. He gave us a letter. Don't you just love going to the mailbox and finding a note or a letter to you? It's not just one of those <laughs> covers everything. You know, to whom it may concern, or this is from your, your congressman wanting money or whatever. Just a note. Uh, I think my bride still has some notes that I wrote her. Just your notes. How joyful it is to go. And here's a note to us, a letter to his servants, to his people. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Which must shortly come to pass, and we and he sent and signified by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God. I'm just more and more am finding what just a little bit more about what that means. The word of God. It is the seed. The word is the seed, and it is used to produce a miracle. Now, here it is, the 13th day of December. Seven more days and the days start to get longer. Oh, it won't be long. The seed catalogs will start to show up. And we'll be picking seeds, whether we ever plant them or not, but we'll pick them. But the miracle of beans and peas and tomatoes and peppers and all those things that we enjoy. Miracle. Throwing them away. And then seeing them sprout through the soil. Miracle. There's just nothing like it in this world. To see what can happen. The word of God. And the testimony of Jesus Christ. And of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth. And they that hear the words of this prophecy. And keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. I just am so thankful that for this, for this part of our life, for this era of our life, that there is not a famine of the word. Now there may have been in the past, and there might be in the future. But for this time, we have such freedom to read it and to delight in it and talk about it and share it. So right now, we're fat. We have the word. We have the word. We get to hear it. Blessed are they that read it. We got it to read and we get to hear it. And the prophecy, and keep those things were written therein. And I'm thankful that the more and more we know about our salvation, we have one that keeps it for us. We're fickle and change every day, but he does not change. 
Time is at hand. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace be unto you in peace from him which is and which was and which is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness. And the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. Unto him that loved us and washed us or loosed us from our sins in his own blood. And hath made us. Hath made us. Kings and priests unto God. And his father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. In the uh, gospel of John we find 25 times the word verily, verily is used. And that's the same word we find right there. Amen. Amen. We conclude our prayers, generally speaking, with omega. <laughs> that's the end of our prayer. Amen. And Christ is the amen. He's the end. He's the he, there is nothing after him. He's the omega. He's the end of the prayer. He's the end of creation. He's the end of prophecy. He's the end of decrees. He is the end. Nothing is after him. We find that the Lord Jesus, the omega, is the last wisp of the breath of God's everlasting, eternal design. Now, he spoke this world into existence. He is the last wisp of the breath of Almighty God that spoke this world into existence. He's the end of the voice of God. He is the end of the Word of God. He is the end of the letters that make up the Word of God. Now, it's interesting that Adam, our first father in the Garden of Eden, he broke every law of God from Alpha to Omega. He left nothing undone. He took God's word and absolutely from beginning to end broke every bit of it. The day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Now I find it such a delight that the very person, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the Alpha and Omega. He's the mender of everything that Adam destroyed in the Garden of Eden. He covered it from beginning to end. He covered it from Alpha to Omega. He covered it from A to Z. Every word of God that God spoke to Adam, Adam disobeyed from beginning to end. And every word that Jesus, that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit determined to come to pass, the Lord Jesus Christ will fulfill it from beginning to end. He will take all that fell in the Garden of Eden and not only repair it, but make it like it never happened when we stand before him. There will be no marks left on us. We will not appear before the Lord Jesus Christ with pock marks. Our son had smallpox. And you take his shirt off and you can still see the marks. Now he doesn't have, doesn't have the, uh, the symptoms of the disease. 
And he doesn't have the fever of the disease, but he has the marks of the disease. And when we appear before him, God will take care of every pockmark. We will not even have the semblance of sin. It will be so complete. His alpha and omega-ness is so complete that he will not leave us with one taint of sin. No pockmarks. You can look behind the ears and there won't be any dirt. Every bit will be taken care of and it won't be a lick and a promise. I don't know how many times on the way to church my mother cleaned my ears for me <laughs> with a lick and a promise. But the Lord Jesus will not do that for us. It will be clean. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's going to repair and beyond it, it will be as if it never happened. We will view God as if we never fell when we meet him face to face. Now, he is our Alpha and Omega. He is the, he is the nothing comes after his purpose and decrees. He will always have the last word. And he will always have the last letter on Alpha and Omega. Men may say, but, but he will have the last word. Now, Turn with me to the book of Isaiah, if you would. I'd like to read three or four verses over here in the book of Isaiah that share with us this very thought about the omeganess of the Lord, the endiness, the conclusionness of the Lord. He is Alpha, I am Alpha and Omega. That's what he said. I am the beginning of all things, and I am the conclusion, the end of all things. And my friend, when we get to looking at this on our behalf, he is the author and finisher of our faith that is glad news <laughs> that is joyous news for the church to realize that he is the beginning of our faith and he is the end of our faith and we are only the recipients of that faith and he has caused us to be glad in it now over here in the book of isaiah turn with me to the book of isaiah the uh this old prophet Isaiah was led by the Holy Spirit to say some of the dearest things about our Savior. As we read here even in the book of Revelation, some of the dearest things about our Savior. I, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, the Lord, God Almighty, the Almighty. Now that's some dear things. We delight in that. We love to know about our God being Lord and Almighty. He's Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning of all things. He's the end of all things. It was in him that the covenant of grace began, and it is in him the covenant of grace is concluded. It is in him that our, that our uh, uh, attraction began, and it is in him our attraction is over. The Lord is so gracious to his people that he would come down in this sinful world and deal with lost and hell-bound individuals and become their beginning... And their ending. And their ending is to sit before his throne of grace and sing, Worthy is the Lamb. On tune. On tune. All right. Here in the book of Isaiah, chapter 44, if you would. Chapter 44 of the book of Isaiah, verse 6. Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 6. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel. Isaiah 44 and verse 6. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. 
And then notice that. We don't have to worry about competition. <laughs> he says there, beside me there is no God. I don't have to worry about competition. God is not competing. He is the only one. God is not in competition. Oh, the fear that's going on with one of the candidates wanting to run for president because it came out, he believes that, that, uh, that Satan and Jesus are brothers. Now, there's a religion that believes that. And that's sad. God didn't have any competition. He didn't have any competition from Satan. He didn't have any competition from any king that's ever lived. He has had no competition with any man, prophet, priest, or king that's ever walked the face of the earth. He is God, and beside him there is none else. And the church has delighted that he's always been in command. They delight that he was in command over them, where they were born, their parents, grandparents, how they got to that place. And then, out of the mystery of godliness, God moved on someone to bring them the gospel, just like that Ethiopian eunuch down there in the desert, reading the word of God, not understanding a word he was reading, and God sent a man down there to speak to him the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He began at the same place and preached unto him Jesus. Now that was the beginning of that man's understanding, and Jesus Christ is the completeness of our understanding. We need not know anything else. We're going to spend a lifetime and eternity learning about redemption that's in Christ Jesus. We, he is the mystery. I've heard people say, well, we need to go into the deeper things. There's nothing deeper than Christ. It says it. We can't measure his height, his width, his depth, or his breadth. There's nothing deeper than that. We spend our life learning about the Lord Jesus. Now, there's going to be the other things filled in. The non-essentials will also be filled in. But the essentials, if we have our heart on him, the essentials, Keeping the main thing the main thing, the other things will be filled into. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will fall into place. That's what he said. That's what he said. Now, in uh, back up just a little bit in Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah 41. And verse 4. Isaiah 41, verse 4. Who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first, and with the last, I'm he. Who hath wrought and done it? I like that. He worked and finished it. He's the only one that's ever finished the work. We worked hard at it. Couldn't get the job done. But he said, it is finished. What's that mean? It's over. It's ended. I'm the omeganess of redemption. It's finished. Now turn with me, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah 45. Here as we look at the prophet Isaiah speaking about the Lord God and his omeganess. He's the last. He's the first and the last. In Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 21, 
tell ye, and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me. A just God and a Savior, there is none beside me. And I'll tell you when I read that, my heart is full. No God beside me. There's no competition. We're, we're, it's not a deception. It's not, he's not trying to deceive anyone. I like it when the Lord says, I did nothing in a corner. It's all out in the open. And that's the way God works with his people. It's all out in the open. I am God and beside me there is none else. We're not looking for, we're not anticipating, we're not, we're settled on the rock. There is the omeganess about the Lord. He is the end of all things. He is the end of our faith. He is the end of our hope. He is the end of our peace. He is the end of our joy. It stretches from end to end. Beginning, he's the beginning of all those and he's the end of all those Everything from beginning to end is foundationed and in the person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in Isaiah chapter 48 and verse 12, we read these words about the omeganess of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said here, hearken unto me, Isaiah 48 verse 12, hearken unto me, O Jacob and Israel, my called, I am he, I'm the first, I also am the last. And when we look at that, I'm called He's the beginning of our call. He's the ending of our call. He is the last wisp of the voice of God in calling his people out of this world. And he is the first breath that broke forth to call his people into righteousness. He's the Alpha and he is the Omega. He is the one that called and he's the one that finished the call. He's the one that started the call. He's the one that concluded the call. He is the one that calls his people out of darkness to his marvelous light. Now, would you return over here to the book of Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. I want to read that verse 8 again. And then we want to look at some Alpha and Omega-ness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And first place we want to go is Hebrews. But notice this, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Now, Hebrews chapter 12. Let's look at that for just a moment. Hebrews chapter 12. The Lord Jesus is described here as being the Alpha and Omega of our faith. Hebrews chapter 12. It says there, with regard to the Lord Jesus, in Hebrews chapter 12, let's just read verse 1 and 2 there. And notice these words. Wherefore, seeing also... Excuse me. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness. So great a cloud of witness. What's the greatest great cloud of witness? Just read chapter 11. Chapter 11. By faith. By faith. And we're going to find out where their faith came from. My goodness, Abraham left to himself would have stayed in Ur of the Chaldees. Noah left to himself would have ended up at the bottom of the sea. Abel, all of those that are mentioned, left to themselves. Their faith, we read the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews and we, oh, we comment on, that's oh, a faith chapter. We comment on their faith. And then the apostle is led at the conclusion to say, 
This is where it came from. It was not theirs. It was given to them. They were faithful because of God. He is faithful. He's the Alpha and he is the Omega. Here it says, Wherefore, we are, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let's lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of, did you notice that word, our? <laughs> it's in italics. The author and finisher of faith. Now, I'm glad that he applies it to us. I'm glad it is our faith. But this faith is his faith. Looking unto Jesus, the author, the beginner and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, that's his alpha and his omega-ness the author and finisher of faith. Every one of those mentioned in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews and every one that could have been mentioned after the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, every child of God, when they examine how they got what they got, they must conclude that they got it from God, that it was not theirs. Their faith is dead faith, little faith, insignificant faith, worldly faith, but his faith is faith that reaches into the veil. His faith reaches into the mercy seat. His faith causes us to draw near unto him. His faith, he is the author and finisher of saving faith. Not just faith, but saving faith, delivering faith. He is the author and finisher of faith that means something. He is the author and finisher of faith in us that reaches unto God. He is the author and finisher of faith in us that makes God our belief and trust. He is the author and finisher of our faith that we will have no other gods before us. Now, Israel had a bunch of competing gods, but the God of Israel was not in competition. Oh, they fell after this God and that God and that God, all sorts of nonsense. But the God of Israel, he says, there's no God beside me. No competition. I'm not competing with anyone. I don't know how many times I heard when I was growing up, we got a God over here voting against you, and we got a God over here voting for you, and now it's up to you. Now, that's what they do when they say de the devil is voting against you, and God is voting for you, and now you make the choice. They're making a God out of Satan. And he's not competing with God, because God's not in competition. We're all without help and without hope and without God in this world until God creates faith in us. And then we turn. We repent. We come to God. We trust Him. There is no competition. We're, we're not in the median. Well, out there between the two freeways going east and west, there's a big wide median. And religion has men in the median. I'm not going either direction. I'm out here. I can step into this row and go with the devil. And I can go in this row this side of the road, and I can go east. I can go to, the, to Jerusalem. <laughs> and 
And here I am. I wonder what I'll do. I wonder what I'll do. You know what? We're on the road to hell. And God, by his grace, reaches down on that road and lifts us out and sets us on the heavenly highway. That's what he does. He's the Alpha and Omega. Without him, we just never <coughs> turn. We'd have no interest. All right, turn with me, if you would, to the book of Philippians. Look at this one. Philippians chapter 1. This is a good one. This is the Alpha and Omega-ness of the Lord. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And there in verse 6. Look at this with me. This is a hallelujah verse. <laughs> it all starts there in verse 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. But we get down to verse 6. It says, being confident. I like that. I can have some confidence. Confidence. Being confident of this very thing. That he's the Alpha and Omega. What's it mean to us? That he which began a good work. He's the Alpha. He began a good work. His good work is redemption in the hearts of his people. His good work is regeneration in the hearts of his people. His good work is he began in the covenant of grace. Decreed that he would save a people for himself. What's it say? He's the Alpha and Omega. Which, that he which began a good work in you. Now, he's going to complete it because he's the omega. He's the last letter. He's the last. He's the, the very last breath, the very last wisp of a breath that he created life. Notice what it says here. He that began a good work in you, Alpha, I am Alpha. I began the work. I began the work. What's he say? will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah! <laughs> the church has been singing about it ever since. He began a good work. He will finish it. He is my Alpha and He is my Omega. Oh, I'll stumble and fall. I, I will almost reach the ground. Though we fall, we shall not utterly be cast down. But he is the omega-ness of my redemption. He will complete it to the end. There will not be one empty chair in glory. They will all be filled and have their names inscribed on them. The, the invitation list has gone out. Not one. Not one. Not one. He will compel us. I like that he'll put a hook in our jaw if necessary, but he will compel us and we'll sit down with him in glory. He will lose none. His blood is effectual and it will accomplish its work. So he's my alpha and he's my omega-ness when it comes to him starting redemption. How in the world can anyone fall away if he's their omega-ness? How can anyone fall away if he's the ending of their salvation, if he is the author and finisher of faith, our faith, how can anyone fall away? The only way they can fall away is they never had him to begin with. He'll not lose any of his. Now, everyone wants, everyone wants the pea and tulip. Perseverance of the saints. Everyone wants it. But my goodness, there's four to get there. He's going to save totally depraved people. Unconditionally going to love them before time began. 
unconditionally. I'm not going to look at their works. They're worthless anyway. I'm not going to look at their heart. It's black as sin. I unconditionally, without a condition, going to love them from eternity. I am going to die for them and die for them alone. Oh, he is so particular. Particular. I don't go down to the post office and hang up a Christmas card and say to whom it concerns. <laughs> Our Christmas card list is particular. Particular. Birthday list, particular. And his death list is particular. Yeah, particular. And his Holy Spirit is going to go out and without reservation, find all. His grace is going to be so attractive. It's going to smell good. It's going to look good. It's going to feel good. It's going to be good. His grace to his people is just going to be so good. It's going to attract. It's going to be a burning bush out in a desert that Moses says, I think I'll turn aside and see this sight. His grace is going to be so attractive. Oh, he's going to draw his people out of every kindred, nation, people, and tongue. And he that began the Alpha, a good work in his people, is going to complete it. That's his promise. I'm Omega. I'm Omega. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Romans, chapter 29. Ro chapter 29. Chapter 8. <laughs> Chapter 8, verse 29. Look at the alpha and omega-ness here. Look at the beginning and the ending. This is the Lord, and it's marvelous to our eyes. This is his work, and he performs it so delightful on the behalf of his people. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. I'm alpha and I'm omega. Here in verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, I'm alpha. I know. I foreknow. I know before time. I'm not looking down through time to see who will choose me. They would none. But I foreknow. That's the alpha. What's this? For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, he's going to be their omega. He'll glorify I'm Alpha, I foreknew. I'm uh, Omega, I'll glorify every one of them. I'll finish the middle. I'll start it, I'll complete it. I'll start it, I'll move through the middle, and I'll get to the end, and they shall be glorified. I'm their Alpha, and I am their Omega. And turn with me, if you would, to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. As we read here again, I'm Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the end. This is what he does for his people. The glory of the Lord Jesus Christ in fulfilling all their beginnings and all their endings. He is the beginning and the ending of our faith. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He that begun a good work is going to finish that work. He is the Alpha and Omega. And here we read in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. Now I realize, and I'll preach, but I don't have time to read it all. You have to go through the first chapter to get to the second chapter. Don't skip the first chapter. 
You got to go through the first chapter. You got to. You got to agree with it. Yeah, you got to agree with it. It, it. It's it's a must. It's what's the word? It, it, it's just not an option. <laughs> you must agree with the first chapter. And then you can have the second chapter. You can have for by grace are you saved through faith. If you agree with the first chapter. Now. Mandatory. mandatory. <laughs> it's mandatory. First chapter is mandatory. Just put it right up there. Mandatory. <laughs> Must believe in order to get to the second chapter. And that's the way it is in the scriptures too. Just don't take part. It has to be all. Now notice here in chapter 2. The Alpha and Omega. This chapter 2 verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with Christ. There's our beginning. Boom! He gave us life. Gave us life. By grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now notice the Omeganus, verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. My goodness, the omeganess, that in the ages to come he might show us. <laughs> we get a start now. We're in the beginning of the ages to come. We get a start. I'm so glad we know what we know. We just know in part, but oh my goodness, it gets sweeter every day. The Alpha and omeganess. He found us dead in trespasses and sin, and he gave us life. There was a beginning. Now, he purposed it in the covenant of grace, but for us, it was in time. He came down in time and revealed to us that he had an interest in us in eternity. But there was a beginning. He gave us hope. He gave us peace. He gave us repentance. He gave us faith gave us joy. He gave us, he gave us, he gave us. And he continues on this. And then he says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, his omeganess, the end. I'm the end. I'll show you the exceeding riches of his grace. I like that word grace. Unmerited favor, the exceeding riches of his unmerited favor. And then if you would turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. As we look at his Alpha and Omeganus. I'm Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the end. 1 Peter chapter 1. And again... I'm going to start in the middle of a thought, but I want to go to verse 2. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit and obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace be multiplied and peace be multiplied. Notice that, the alphaness. Right in the very beginning of the beginning, of the beginning. 
eternality of God. We're dealing with that. So it says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. That's his alpha. <coughs> I am the elect, and I elect. I am the alpha. And then it tells us there in verse uh, uh, 4, to an inheritance... Excuse me, I need to back up. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Now there's part of his omeganess. Now next verse. Wherein, oh excuse me, who are kept... By the power of God through faith and the salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I am the ending kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. I have kept them. I am keeping them. I will keep them. They are kept. Do you like being a kept person? I do. <laughs> kept by God. Kept by the Lord. He's my alpha. He's the very beginning. He had his beginning for me before the world began. And he had his ending in the eternity in the future. And right now he's working in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And so he's our alpha and he is our omega. He's our beginning and our ending. He is the alpha and omega. Now, turn with me way back in the book of Daniel, chapter 4, would you? As we think about this, I'm alpha and Omega. I am. I am. Alpha and Omega. Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. <coughs> Daniel chapter 4 verse 34. We read these words. I'm just amazed what God had to say about himself through a king. This is a wicked king, been turned out to pasture. He spent seven years. You know what? That king is not going to have any concern about those seven years. No, they weren't wasted years. Now, during the seven years, if he'd had any sense about him, he said, this is a waste of time. But at the conclusion, he's able to say, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. My goodness. The mercy riding on the horse of what? <laughs> Oppression or whatever. Mercy came in. What's he say here? And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes unto heaven, and my understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, the Alpha. The Most the Alpha. I bless the Most High. And I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. The Alpha and Omega. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand 
or say unto him, What doest thou? Jesus said, I'm Alpha and Omega. King Nebuchadnezzar <coughs> revealed unto him, This is my Alpha and Omega. Oh, he had an eye on me. I was, oh, we, we can read about him. Wicked man. Wicked as Noah, Abraham, David, Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Paul, Peter, John, Matthew, Mark, James. Wicked, wicked. And God in his mercy demonstrated, I'm Alpha and Omega. I'll put you in a pasture for seven years. And when you come out of it, you'll see me as king. And that's the best thing that ever happened to that man. Oh, his whole court. Can you just imagine him? He's out there mooing like a cow and scratching himself like a, like got them long fingernails and hair grew out like feathers. He's just gone. And inside, God's working a work of grace. And he comes out with these words. There's no God like my God. No God like God. He doeth his will in the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay his hand. And that's exactly, turn quickly if you would, we just have a minute and we'll close. But turn with me here to Revelation chapter 1 verse 8. Who said this? I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. Who said it? Saith the Lord. Saith the Lord. And how is this verse concluded? The Almighty. The Almighty. The Almighty is used in this book more times than any other book. One time in 2 Corinthians, and we'll read that next time. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine times in the book of Revelation, he is called the Almighty. <clears throat> that's who Nebuchadnezzar saw, and that's who he admitted is my beginning and my end. He is my Alpha and my Omega, and the Lord says, I am Alpha and Omega.